whole lot of talk. The interviews that rock. Brought to you by Rock Antenna, Germany's number one rock radio station. It's funny because, you know, the Magpie Salute, the name circled around like uh, before. And uh, then uh, I realized, yeah, there was a record before that. It was the life record. Yeah. Exactly. And then, then I figured, yeah, yeah that, that was uh, like surprising for me because usually you don't start off with a life record. I mean, punk bands used to do that in the 70s because they had no money to produce real yeah, records. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. How, how did you get the idea to do a life record first before you come up with the with studio uh, stuff? Well, there was a, you know, there was, I was touring on my solo record and there was a, the studio I worked in, I used to work in in Woodstock has this thing where they invite an audience in to watch you kind of record a record. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's not like you set in. You It's a live show, but it's in the studio with the studio gear, and then everyone watches you. And I'd done it once, and they, they wanted me to do it again, and I was like, yeah, I'll do it, but I want to do something different. All right. And I wanted to – I just wanted to play with Mark Ford again, you know? Like, I was like, you know, we were in the Crows, and then he left, and then he came back, and then he left. And so it was just – one of those things, the more, you know, when you play with someone that you have that connection, musical connection with. Mm. And so I called him up and he was like, yeah, I'm there. You know, I don't care what it is. I'll just show up, you know. And then I called Ed Harsh and then he came. And what was cool about it was bringing those guys into my solo band. Yeah. You know, and just kind of bringing that around. So we did this thing and it was over three nights. And we just, you know, every day we played different songs. We were just up there playing around. And so that was it. I went on my way. It was done, you know, and that was all it was going to be. Yeah. But I was thinking, like, that was really cool. I mean, we all kind of felt that it was special while yeah. we were playing. And so I went went off, continued on my tour, and I was like, how could we do this? What would we call it? You know, what kind of, sh what would we play? These kinds of things. And so we had the idea, let's put up a show in New York and see what happens. And it sold out in 20 minutes. And so we put up three more, and they sold out. And we said, okay, well, this is cool. You know, there's some interest there. Yeah. And then we're like, well, let's book a tour. All right. Oh, by the way, we forgot. We recorded a record. So we had this record, you know what I mean? And so that's just kind of how it happened. And it was all... And last year was about celebrating all the music we'd made together, all the all the bands we toured with, all of the covers we've always wanted to do. I mean, we had a 10-piece band last year, and that was kind of for that purpose. Yeah. But now this is us stepping into our own skin. And so I wanted All it right. to be the core band. So now it's six people, and this is what it is, and we're moving forward. There's only five on the cover. Because Matt Slocum wasn't available while we were recording. All right. And we did the photo shoot before Matt could join us. <laughs> All right. And that was the only time we could do it, because John had to fly back to London. All right. <laughs> and so we're like, oh, shit. And so we took, I took some pictures of Matt when he came up after, and we recorded his keyboards, and then we snuck some in there. But it was like, it was just... It was just a logistical issue, which is a bummer, you know. <laughs> Can't happen. He doesn't give a shit. He doesn't care. Uh, there's High Water 1, and then High Water 2 comes out. Probably Early ne next year. Next year. Yeah. Uh, the High Water 1 is the one that you already recorded back then. Am I, am I getting this right? No, Or we just recorded these records in March. Just and, all of them? Both oh, of them. Okay. Yeah, 28 songs, yeah. You know, it's funny because when you played live, it seemed like you were the kind of band that could play everything. Everything that you want, you could play. You know, instantly, it seems like there's like 170 songs here. And blah. Yeah. It's amazing what kind of repertoire you guys have. Is it, was it that easy then to write songs as well? 
as yeah, I mean that's that. that's the fun bit, you know. Like that that's the cool thing is to. I heard other musicians say differently. <laughs> oh really? No, I mean that's creation. That's why we do it. I mean, I love being in the studio and having an idea and seeing it come to fruition, you know. And so, and then to because that's the seed. Once the, once you finish the song in the studio, that's when the seed's planted. Yeah. And then you take it on tour, and then that's where it grows. And this and the song should evolve into something really cool. You know, shifting it every night. I mean, the Black Crows did that our whole career. You know, yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, insane. But it's twenty eight songs. How long did it take you to to do all this stuff? Three weeks. <laughs> I'm going home. <laughs> it's so, almost like a Led Zepp like feeling. <laughs> oh man, we had to go in, and you know, we had a certain amount of time. We had to knock it out. It's just the way it is. <laughs> it's uh, you know, obviously you cannot erase the past, but it's. Uh, Is the Black Crows or the name Black Crows for the Magpie Salute more curse or more blessing? In you know, in relation to to the to the stuff you're doing now, uh, you know, look, that was my that's a huge part of my life's work. You know, to write all those songs for the Black Crows and to have that thing and what that was. I mean, I was 19 when I made Shake Your Money Maker. You know, and My brother and I were writing those songs. I mean, I started. I wrote "She Talks to Angels" when I was 17. and so we. I were, was reading Superman comics when I was 17. <laughs> well, we—that's when we just started. You know, like we just started, and so that's a huge swath of my life's work. But it was incredibly negative. It was like a tornado. Yeah. It was like you know this vortex, and people would come in and get spit out, and you know it's just crazy. And so I wanted all of that musicality because the band. I thought it was brilliant musically, yeah. the Black Crows, but I didn't want the negativity. Yeah. And neither did Mark, and neither did Sven, and neither did any, you know Eddie. And so, what we were, you know, we're like all this is great. We all play well together. This is really cool. But one thing we're not going to do is fall into the trap of being assholes, because most bands fall into that trap. You know, most bands sit in the back lounge and bitch about each other and they're tired and take everything personally. And there's just like a, a laundry list of things that, that people go through. I mean, it's hard to tour. Sometimes it's hard to do these things and, and it's easy to go down that road. And then you throw lack of sleep and maybe boredom sometimes and then travel and, you know, overstimulation, drugs. I mean, all of these different elements. And then, and then all of a sudden you're dealing with some pretty deep psychosis you know well, there's persona and you know personal issues on one side but then there's age on the other side I yeah mean, yeah you grow older you live you learn yeah yeah yeah. Did you exactly. think you, you, now i think that a lot of bands that are you know have grown older and together and they had issues before they now they're, they're better with each other because they're simply older yeah you can accept like i accept you got to accept that person uh, you know unfortunately You know, with the with the crows. I mean, I th I don't think, you know. Look, when when you get successful, you can. It's almost like Donald Trump. You know, you don't have to ever answer to anything. You can just be uh. behave this horrible way and walk around and and you know. And when you have people around you that only say, "Yeah, that's great, that's great, that's great," mm -hmm. you know, then you don't you don't ever have to. No one's going to ever challenge you to look at a different way. And that happened in the crows. I mean, you know, Chris just kind of got and sort of turned into that a bit. Mm. And uh, so for us, Mark and I, the, the, you know, and Sven and everyone, I mean, 
what we've all gone through as people, just, you know, pe- playing with other people, our travel, our kids, divorce, marriage, love, loss, you know, we finally got together and we're like, all right, none of that matters. Yeah. You know, it's interesting that Mark and I spent a lot of time on the bus and the crows, but we never talked mm-hmm. because there was that filter of my brother. Chris yeah. brought Mark into the band and always kind of used whoever was in that role against me because it was Chris and I's band and I was the little brother and I was younger than everyone else and he just wanted mm. to kind of do this. But, you know, to to be able to hang out with Mark and just talk. I mean, the music was always there. But like to be now, it, it seems like a more whole relationship and mm-hmm. it's great. And so there's a positive thing there, you know, mm. and learning from from everyone, you know. So that's, that's what's cool about it. Well... You know, I said before something, I think you guys can play everything you want. Yeah. Music-wise. Uh, why play the music that you played on the Magpie Salute? How did it evolve to this kind of music? Because for me, it's you know, a blend of Southern and Americana and Roots, or whatever you want to call it, you know, yeah. and label it, you know. It doesn't matter. Simply, it's just music. But how come you, you evolved into this one? Because this sounds more like a six-piece band. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> much more. Well, I mean, look, Mark, John, and I wrote the songs. So I kind of opened up for that, you know, bringing John in, who's grew up in London, and he has these kind of, this real, you know, a pretty strong British pop sensibility. Yeah. And kind of bringing him into what, where we come from. I mean, the, you know, the thing about when Mark joined the Crows, we were all, you know, grew up in the South. That, the blues and then we we were always influenced by the direct blues and then the british bands trying to make blues right so yeah. we love zeppelin and the stones and peter green and you know and all that stuff so we we weren't into skinner or those bands mm-hmm. we were into the only band of that ilk that we were into were the allman brothers mm-hmm. but they were brilliant musicians yeah and so but then you have mark ford coming from la and what he brought to the table was was different Mm. Because his approach, although we all had a similar palette, the way that he played and what he brought was interesting. Well, now we have that with John, too. So me and Mark are here, and then you have John come in, and to be able to write these songs and to sing the way he sings is just, I think it opens up a whole level. And so when I hear the record, um, it sounds, you know, it sounds timeless. It doesn't sound classic. It can fit. It could fit seventy, you know, in the seventies, but it could also fit now, yeah, because of the way John sings, yeah, and it and it's, you know, it has this broad spectrum of, but it still sounds like the same band. It still sounds like one band making all this, you know, really diverse music, and that's what's cool about it to me. Was it somehow, or maybe in the back of your head, mandatory to sound a little bit different from the Black Crows? I think we sounded different just because there's different players. You know, my But the core band is, you know the core band is me and me and Mark and Sven, but mm-hmm. you have Joe Magistro who's is an amazing drummer. He can do things Steve never could do. I mean Steve was a caveman. He just beat the shit out of the drums and that was about it. But Joe grew up playing with Jack DeJeanette and could play jazz and play rock and roll music and play this and yeah. really understood it and as a musician brings way more to the table. So that you bring that rhythm element and then you have John come in and you bring that element. Then you have Matt Slocum, our keyboard player, come in. And he just got finished last year touring with John McLaughlin, you know, all year. Him and Jimmy Herring, who's this, you know, I don't know if you know who Jimmy is, but he's a famous guitar player. Mm. Sort of jazz fusion. Mm. 
And so for Matt to come into that fold as well. And so all of these different influences adds to the soup and then it tastes different. It's, it's amazing because sometimes I wonder if, if you find this music easy to play that you play. To me, it's, it's soul and, yeah. and it's, it's natural for us. Yeah. And so I think that it's where we all want to be. You know, I mean, everyone, cho everyone has a palette that they choose from, you know, yeah, pay, yeah. you know, painters tend to always go to these sort of similar colors or have a process, All, you know, authors write these books and they have a set of words or tempo in their paragraphs or their, you know, or how they tend to write and there's a flow to everything. Well, musicians do the same thing. And so we can use chords or use sounds or use these things that are, are signature to us. Yeah. But then when you mix it all together and you bring these other elements in, it really goes somewhere. And that's what makes it different. I mean, I don't personally try to write any kind of song because I feel like it's forced and unnatural. So the way I write is the way I write. And if I'm, oh, that's cool. All you right. know, like, hey, that's, that's, that works, you know, for me. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So are you, between this record and the next record, are you guys going to be back touring? Yeah. We're touring starting in July, and we're going through next year. Here? Uh, we'll be here in November. Good, because I haven't heard it yet. Yeah. <laughs> I, haven't heard, I haven't gotten the announcement yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is going to be, I can f easily figure that, you know, you guys seem to like to play. Yeah. And be, you know, it's like going to be like a three-hour show. It's two and a half sometimes. <laughs> you know, we play about 21 songs every night. All right. But the thing is, is why wouldn't you want to play? You know what I, I mean? Don't know. Like, I don't know. Well, no, no, no. But I, I just mean like there's a there's a prevailing sort of attitude where people are like, don't you know? It's it's like a the whole purpose of being in a band is to get up there and play. That's the fun part of the day. The rest of the day is boring as hell. You're waiting around. Yeah, you sound check. You got to do this, whatever it may be. But the whole reason we're all here is so that we can get up on and play. And then we're musicians, so. What do we want to play? I don't want to play the same part every night exactly the way it is on the record. The yeah. record was what it was. It's a snapshot. Yeah. So what I want to do is see where that goes. And then as musicians, to be able to travel and move and, and swerve and play a Bobby Hutcherson sort of song over here and then play a Pink Floyd song here and then do a Humble Pie song here or play a Flying Burrito Brothers song and to do them all well, and it keeps you on your toes. Mm-hmm. And so that's what it means to be, you know, in a band. And, and you know, look, we, we've been caught up for too long. Bankers who run music and the music industry, who run these labels, tell their bands, dumb it down, dumb it down. The, the audience, they can't handle it. Yeah. Make it stupid because people are stupid and they can't hear. And this is what people say. Yeah. But that's not true. People will like what they're exposed to. And yeah. so, you know, I mean, you remember the day where a DJ could like, man, I heard this band and put on a, you should check this out. And then, you know, a station in Cleveland and then all of a sudden 10 other stations pick it up. And then that's how those things spread because yeah. you're the one that's living and breathing in that music. Yeah. And then you can do that. And so, well, the same thing goes for musicians and the same thing goes for these people. It's breaking free. I mean, I think that we, ha we live in an incredibly sort of conformist society Yes. But it's it's under an illusion that everyone's somehow free. Well, we're free to shop. We're free to buy whatever <laughs> if you we got want. money. If you got if money, you though, money, yeah. exactly. Yeah. But why can't you be free in these other elements? Well, okay. Well, I want to be free. I don't. I don't feel that I 
need to over genreify myself or my music. Rock and roll music is a huge genre. You know, it, it spans a huge amount of music. Yeah. You know, yeah. Furry Lewis was rock and roll, but yeah. so was Joni Mitchell. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, it's good. It's good. I think people appreciate quality. Yeah. Uh, I think the, and, and and authenticity exactly. Call it. That's what really well, it comes down to intention. You know, what's your intention? Yeah. You know, because yeah. uh, you know, I just moved to Nashville recently, and everyone there writes these country songs that are the lowest of the low, in my opinion. <laughs> just like you know, dumb it down, sing about jeans, sing about beer, sing about girls, and it's like, yeah, okay, well, that's an element of life, I suppose, but you know, that's. Those guys, can, you you know, you go into their office. I can sell with you if you let me do this. Ten million records, and you'll be rich, and you'll be an entertainer. Yeah. Instead of like, you why don't you write a great song? Write a song that touches someone. You know, write a song that helps humanity in a sense. You know. So if yeah. you look back at Bob Dylan, you know, writing a song like Gates of Eden, or writing a song, or even you know, Blowing in the Wind, or mm. these things. You know, look at the Beatles, look at the Rolling Stones. I mean, look at Van Morrison or anyone in between touching on these human themes, these universal human themes that we all exist and and have to and deal with, you know, love and loss. And so, you know, that's what it's about for me is to write a song that can touch someone. You know, those guys in Nashville come up to me and they're like, oh, my God, I can't believe you wrote She Talks to Angels. I'm like, yeah, my brother and I wrote that about a real experience mm. and i was 17 and you know and that meant something to me so that reverberates out into the universe and people have come, weep when they hear that song yeah. and sometimes they'll come up and be like my brother was in a car wreck and he died and she talks to angels was playing on the radio and you know that and i and and i kept this thing and i listened to it every day because it reminds me of him that's what it's about you know yeah and so, why not always strive for that? Yeah. You know what I mean? And and the cool thing is, like, on this record, you have some heavy songs, but they're still fun. Yeah. You can still listen to them. Send Me an Omen or... Totally. Yeah. You know, these songs, they, they, they actually have sort of deeper meaning yeah. about love or loss or whatever it may be. But then it's also kind of rock and roll and cool to listen to. Yeah. 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 There's only, like, where do you want to go from here? You know, it's just only the first record. I think it, in other bands' careers, it would be the highlight and their their peak of their the climax of their their creativity. Yeah, where do you guys want to go from here? I mean, I don't even want to know what's on the next record. We don't so, even think about it. Yeah. we just do it. Yeah, I thought so. <laughs> you know, I mean, because you can't plan anything. There's nothing that anyone can plan uh -huh. because life does what it wants to do. Uh -huh. The universe does what it wants to do. So we just make these records and we'll go out and play as long as we can and make make this music because this is what we love to do. And this is, you know, it's it's like, a, you know, a carpenter or something, someone that's done this. I mean, I've done this for 29 years now, Yeah, you know, and that's a long time. And so what else am I going to do? <laughs> this is what I love to do. This is what's in my DNA, my yeah. musical DNA, whatever, but this is how it is. And, and I still get excited about it. And, and everyone was excited about this record while we're making it, you know? What do you think about the other bands that are somehow arise from the South and they do play Southern rock sort of, you know, not as, I mean, you're, you're somewhere far apart from, from those, but like, 
Blackberry Smoke or whatever. Do you, what do you think about this new breed of, of bands? Do you think they're good? Or do you think it's, it's good to have them? Or Well, I think they're playing instruments, and I think that they write their own songs. Yeah. And I think that they're expressing themselves the best way they know how. And, right. that's, and, and I think that their intention is good. I mean, I know Blackberry Smoke. Those guys are friends of mine, and we're doing some shows with them this year. And so they really love what they do, and they take it seriously. They're not messing around. And so by virtue of just that alone... Mm. Anyone that goes into with this intention, of a pure intention of like, I want to make music, instead, I want to make music instead of I want to make money. Yeah. And yeah. so they've been doing it for years. Yeah. And and now it's finally taken off for them, and that's great. They kept at it, and it's it's really cool for them. Okay. So I think you know whether it's rap or, I mean, any kind of music that you could pop music, whatever, as long as your intention is pure and it's not about being an entertainer, then I think there's a validity to that. All right. All right. I have no more further questions, Your Honor. I'm, okay. I'm basically done. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Cool. Whole lot of talk. The interviews that rock. Subscribe to our channel for more rocking podcasts.